you're listening to the Casual Swinger Podcast. As your host, we need to warn you that the material you're about to hear may be sexual or explicit in nature. This podcast is intended for an adult audience. Now, we don't expect you to act like adults. What's the fun in that? We're a married couple living in Florida with over 13 years of experience in the lifestyle, and we take almost nothing seriously. Casual Swinger is a variety show, meaning we'll cover everything from music to events, travel, and even the occasional hilarious screw-up. Our show is about entertainment. We're not licensed professionals. Had anything. And our stories, commentary, and guidance should not be confused with the opinions of a licensed professional. Now that you know, let's take those pants off and get comfy. down these snowy city streets where Mickey and Mallory have settled in by the fire for a long winter's night. Her in her favorite crotchless Christmas panties and Mickey staring from across the room. We're not watching TV tonight, right? He begs. Mallory looks at him with a grin before the fire. Suddenly, and in a blink, it disappears right before their eyes. The cold wind rushes from the fireplace, and on that wind a spirit rides into the room on his mighty motor bunny, sliding to a halt before their very eyes. The ghost looks around the room locking his eyes on our suddenly shocked, but still somehow horny couple. Nearly 15 years it's been since you joined the lifestyle, and what have you learned? Mickey starts to answer, and the ghost stops him with a wave of the giant dildo in his hand. Tonight, tonight you'll be visited by three ghosts, and reminded of the lessons of your past, your present, and your future. Mallory, not one for uninvited guests, interrupts. We kind of have plans tonight. Three ghosts, Mickey and Mallory. When the clock strikes ten, three ghosts. And he fades away. Welcome back to Casual Swinger. I'm your host, Mallory. And I'm Mickey. That was a little creepier than <laughs> I was planning on it being for a Christmas episode, I, I think, think. But I think it was really neat. Um, he, his voice was spectacular, in uh, my humble opinion. Crazy. He was crazy good. But, you know, that is one of the three ghosts. That's the first ghost. I guess he's the... Uh, I don't even remember the ghost's he's like, name. He's like our J- Jacob Marley. Or Jacob Marley. That's yeah, who he's Jacob supposed Marley. to be. Yeah, yeah, Jacob Marley. So... We're going to be visited by three ghosts. Ooh. Feels like it should be a Halloween episode with this I ghost know, right? shit going on, right? <laughs> I think, it, yeah. 
<laughs> no, guys, this is our Christmas episode, and of course, you guys probably checked out our groovy-ass Christmas music at the beginning, and, you know, it's just kind of a thing we do for you guys. We try to, you know, holiday this shit up around here. Well, I hope everyone enjoys it. It's fun to be a little festive and, and I don't know, use a little creativity as our show. I yeah. think we're entitled I to a little bit of that. it, too. But, you know, we are a little bit of a low-budget thriller around here, so that was a good friend of ours who... Uh, Maybe in another life would have been an actor. You know, I didn't know that he had aspirations or had trained in college. Yeah, neither did I, honestly. I've known that guy for like 20 years and I had no idea. Totally makes sense. I just thought he had a cool voice and turns out dude can do crazy accents. He did like four takes of that and they were all really good. So thanks to those of you that helped us. Yeah, he's just got a great voice. I love that baritone. He's a great person Mm -hmm. too. I bet he can sing. Sorry, I digress. All right, you know what? I'll ask him to sing for the show next Please? time. Come on here and <laughs> yes. do a little Barry White or something. But anyway, it's our casual Christmas Carol episode, and we're going to talk about the three subjects in our favorite ghosts, the past, the present, and the future. And we're going to do it without the help of Ebenezer Scrooge. Or Bill Murray, Aww. which is such a bummer. One of my favorite Scrooge. He is. Really Scrooge is probably one of my top three or four favorite Christmas movies, and I love Christmas movies. All right, so that's my, like ultimate guest is to get bill murray on the show oh my god how cool would that be i I hear he's like really indifferent about everything so it'd probably be really frustrating but it'd still be fun to have him on i think all right so do we need to do anything first before we go into our past present and future and how that relates to our lifestyle and journey yeah maybe a little couple housekeeping items right so first of all we need to thank all of you guys for joining us on casual swinger this year i don't know it was like our fourth full year or something of doing casual swinger we're going into now i think I think so. Yeah, something like that. So you guys spend your time listening to us. That's a gift. It's not something we ever take for granted. No. Uh, Just today, we went over 40,000 followers on Twitter. It's crazy to me, and I can't thank people enough. Time is the the biggest commodity we have. It's the one thing we'll never get back, and the fact that anyone wants to spend a second of it with us. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's so flattering, and... I, I don't have enough words to show my appreciation and admiration for it. I personally have plenty of words. Yeah. I'm just not supposed to use them because I try to keep it to 50-50 around here. So. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Yeah, I've read their reviews. Fuck you for talking all the time, apparently. I know. Apparently, I just do all the talking and you never say shit. So could you step it up? <laughs> they should really like follow us around. Right. They should just be in the kitchen and listen to all the words I listen to all day long. Bless you. I love you. I love you, too. Well, all right, how about Casual Toys, though, guys? We need to thank all of you guys for your support of Casual Toys. We had our biggest year ever, and it's because of each of you. You know, we have some fun stuff coming up for you guys this year. We can't wait to share it with you in terms of Casual Toys, but know that we run that store for this community. You guys out there, the listeners, the lifestylers, the sex-positive people, the people that are just thinking about being sex-positive or thinking about something outside the box, that's who Casual Toys is for. And if somebody just wants to go buy something to throw away or something that's a piece of shit or something that maybe they just just want to buy crap, right? They'll go to Amazon. When they come looking for help and they're looking for real advice and body safe stuff, I love being those folks for them. A hundred percent. I think it's something, um, you know, the inception of it came from a a passion because that's something we were lacking. I was lacking. Um, And yeah, we just want to help people. I I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. We'll we'll never retire off that. Let me be very clear. Oh shit, no. (laughs) Right? Never yeah. in a million years. Maybe maybe after the tax write-off, we might break even, but whatever. I don't care. No, and it's an, it's a, it, it's fun, too. It feels good to help someone. Yeah, it know. really does. And anyway. I think there's a lot of folks out there that are, you know, angling toward making money on the lifestyle. I'd say we're definitely not those people. 
Uh, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm not, it's fine. I'm not trying to make a million dollars. I'm trying to make what we've gotten from this journey. And, and we'll get into this as we get into the episode. Some of the best friends I ever imagined having in our lives. You know, it's so hard to look at people um, in the vanilla life or even work life and go, you know, it's got to be so hard to make friends as an, as an adult. Because you just have very limited opportunity, especially, you know, post-COVID or, or, you know, during COVID. Oh, yeah. And I'm so blessed. Like, we did uh, charity uh, for work this year. And people are like, where, you have so many friends that are so wonderful and generous and kind. All over the world. Where the fuck are they? And they they? send, like, all of (laughs) you, like, anyone that participated sent notes and, like, and this is our admin assistant that's telling me this. And I want to be like, my life is so blessed and charmed because of this community yeah and it's not something we can have open dialogue about i think they've looked down their nose at us a few times like where do all these people come from and every time you go to jamaica you come back with new people and it's like "Mm." yeah yeah or we've done the the charity events and they're like where did you all meet and i'm like shocker jamaica (laughs) shocker (laughs) hey i have a podcast of blues of speaking of friends yes oh my gosh so excited for the june event um I really hope people don't miss the opportunity to to join, and and not because it's you know going to be, you know, elitist or anything crazy. It's just such an amazing experience. We talked about it after the fact, and I think this is gonna this is our favorite lifestyle event. It is, and I think a lot of people so said unique. that at this point too. It's just it's such a good time. It's booking up fast, guys. Don't miss your chance to do that and hang out with some of your favorite swinger podcasters. Oh, and. Us. Yeah, we'll be there. Us too. Come party so your with favorites us. and us. Yes. It's going to be really good. We'll make you be our friend. All oh, right. That's right. I'll just chase you around and swing my penis at you. I can't really swing it. It's just like kind of like a little nub, but I'll just wiggle it. <laughs> just slaps. Whack, 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 whack. <laughs> hey, also this week, this episode, <gasps> you guys have been asking for it. You've been wondering. You've been waiting all December for yep. it. Whiskey of the month. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we're going to do Whiskey of the Month today. We're going to do it. No matter how long this episode runs, you're going to get Whiskey of the Month. And happening. I'm so excited for the one because I love the fucking story behind it. So uh, yeah, definitely listen to that. We definitely want to take a, a second to recognize all the lifestyle content creators out there. You know, we don't have to agree on every aspect. Actually, we appreciate the discourse and dialogue that comes out of, you know, some of these conversations we have. And we can appreciate the efforts and the creativity and... It's hard to put yourself out there. It really is. When you're being when you're being authentic and using your voice and, and your words and your perspective. Your perspective is probably the, the thing you worry about the most because you know not everyone's going to agree with you. That's a fact. And I think some of the things that come into play for a lot of creators, ourselves included, it, it, you really kind of, you look around just like we do in the lifestyle or when you're going to talk to a, a new pretty girl or a good looking guy. And you have those those self-doubt moments. They happen for content creators too. We go, is this thing that we're going to talk about, does anybody really give a shit? And it happens pretty much with every episode you put out. Sure. And, you know, even if that doesn't happen, it's still, you're still putting yourself out there in front of an audience that could, you know, flam-based or... Yeah, completely or, disagree with or you. Or totally fall headed over heels in love with you. Yeah. And that... And, you know, maybe that's not the inspiration for it all, but it is is—it is a risk anytime you put yourself out there in, in public, and I, I appreciate that. I do as well, and I think that you're spot on with this. Uh, kudos to all of the content creators, the ones that have joined us in 2021. Welcome those that have been around. to the shit show. Yes, welcome <laughs> to Jane our Andrew shit show. 
But this is going to be a blast, guys. We're going to get into this in just a minute. As a matter of fact, I think I hear the bells. So we will be right back in just a minute after Mallory tells you where to find us with the first of three ghosts. We are Casual Swinger everywhere. You can find us at CasualSwinger.com or message us at podcast at CasualSwinger.com. We are found on social media. That's Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also find us on the dating sites, which are DDN, Double Date Nation, uh, Cassidy, SLS, and SDC. There you go. And if for some reason you happen to like what we do, go leave us a review on iTunes and tell that guy who says I talk too much what a dick he is. That's my Christmas present from all of you. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll be right back in just a second with the ghost of Christmas past from Swingers. You've been listening to Casual Swinger. everybody welcome back to casual swinger and the first of our spookiest of the spooky ghosts the ghost of christmas past this is the scariest one i think this is the most um i don't know interesting interesting but also vulnerable yeah yeah a little bit i mean i think there's something weird about the past i we all as people and even monogamous people are so fucking hyper focused on their past. It seems like it's part of every relationship I've ever been in. Like, what's the first question, like, serious question you get asked in a new relationship okay. monogamously? Yeah, so this, we're going to go way back, right? Because we've been together a long time, but I remember having Oh, because you haven't been with anybody else since we got together. <laughs> but it's, I don't hear this question as often now. That's but true. it's always, it would always include in the conversation at some point early on, how many people have you slept with? Everyone wants to know your fucking number. <sighs> All right. Well, for me, it's not enough because I was terrible at asking for the business in my past. So <laughs> that's my answer. Only how many people have you been with? Not enough. Yeah. Let's fix yeah, that. How did Get that your go, ass over here. How did that go over with the girls? Uh, well, I've never tried that line. I should. I should be like, hey, I not enough. Let's yeah. get over here and sit on my face. Uh, now, I, you know, why is that, though? I mean, you're, you know, how about this one? Am I the best you've ever had? Who the fuck asked that question? Um, everybody well, in some well, form or fashion yeah or you feel compelled to say it yeah i mean i think that's what they're really asking when they ask for your number they're trying to figure out how much competition they had and then what are the chances that they were the best or oh, you're, the biggest you're, or, yeah no you're skipping to <laughs> you're skipping to the big reveal i think yeah yeah no i i think yeah Guys, keep going. guys want to know. They're like, I, uh, uh, yeah, and the they want to know, more importantly, if they're still in your orbit. So do you still talk to them? Do you still socialize with them? I think women ask that question just as much as guys do. Though. Monogamous so? relationships. Okay. Okay. They, they, they want to make sure that she's not still sniffing around. And more importantly, that the partner is not pining for that person still. So, okay. So so that's what you think. Why? Because I, I feel like there's something broken in that methodology and that psychology, like why do we feel fucking compelled to ask and or answer? Well, well answer is probably the one that I want to know the most about. Like, why did we feel compelled to answer that question? Why do we be like, does it matter? 
are you enjoying what I'm doing to you? Because I learned how to do it somewhere and it wasn't by sucking a banana. I will I will tell you, you're the first and only human being. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll draw back. Probably not the only human being because I've had a, other conversations in the lifestyle. But the only man I've ever dated that if I presented a question that kind of fit into that dialogue, mm-hmm. you, you challenged me and was like, why? What is the purpose of this? Yeah, I, I don't know how. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was wanted. I want to know the motivation because I have a tendency uh, historically in my lifetime to answer questions kind of flippantly mm-hmm. and just give you the answer because I'm incredibly blunt. And I've found that sometimes that answer causes a lot of pain, but so does telling somebody what they want to hear. Good. Yeah. So absolutely. I want to know what the motivation was so I can prepare you for the answer because you might not be prepared yourself. Oh, bless you. One of the first things you prepared me for is if you ask the question, I hope you're prepared to know the answer because I'll never lie to you. Yeah. yeah. You regretted that because you tested me. <laughs> A <on> couple it. <laughs> times. You know what? Whatever. We, we learned. We learned. But I feel like we probably both agree on this. I'm going to go out on a limb that, you know, um, conversations about the past can lead to feelings of inadequacy about the present, right? So maybe they're looking for something to be afraid of in their past. Maybe, you know, I, I keep saying humans are relational relational people. They have to know where they stand in regards to something else, in relation to something else. Sure, if you don't know what an inch is, a foot means nothing to you. Exactly. Yeah. But I think this is very toxic behavior and a toxic thought process. Well, I think it's establishing a a benchmark for failure and mm-hmm. then guaranteeing that you get there. Yeah. You have zero chance of success in that conversation, right? Right. Because it's either you have too many partners mm-hmm. or not enough partners. Okay. Or, you know, maybe it'll, you know, identify, you know, the opportunity or statistically if they'll cheat or maybe, you know, how apt they are to stay or leave. Right. So if you're like, well, my ex was amazing and she did everything for me and we had a great sex life, but I cheated on her anyway. What you're going to get from that is... I'll uh, never be good enough. You'll never be good enough and I'm going to leave. So these these types of questions, I mean, I think the last one that we just said, maybe I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. That's the question we're really asking. What is the measurement that I'm being judged by and am I good enough? And this this relates to the lifestyle, guys. Trust us in this one. Yeah, we'll get there. We have a purpose here. Yeah, and it relates to the lifestyle because... The things we fear in our relationships are usually rooted in our past. So we ask questions that are rooted in our past and we point at our past and we look at our past and we have this measuring stick with no hope of success. Mm-hmm. There's no hope. There's no hope. No, no matter what you do, if you're looking for something that scares you, you will find it in your past. I guarantee it. Sure. And especially if you go looking for it. If you haven't, because all of those questions to me pose the intent of failure, the intent of Maybe even self-sabotage, not even being aware of it. And it feels innocent enough. Maybe I'm just looking to see where the danger is going to come from. I just want to know where I'm going to get hit. Well, welcome to life. Please get a helmet and join us. Join it's us. It's a we wild ride, but it's worth it. Yeah, it does. Uh, I, so I have a question, and this is one I've always had for guys, and I don't mm-hmm. know why we all do it. <laughs> okay. I think I've even been guilty of it in my youth, mm-hmm. especially before I ever had sex. I told everybody I was the best lay in Prince William County, but uh, why is it that when guys are asked about their their sexual past, men always seem to round up, or even better, they fabricate some massive number just because. I mean, who the fuck wants to be Wilt Chamberlain? Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Why? 
I think it's bullshit that w- men get to round up and they're celebrated for it or not even question about it. And who, who the fuck is Will Chamberlain? Oh, my God. I'm not that much older than you. God is he damn a it. porn star? No. Who is he? Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. So Will Chamberlain, for the record. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. Seriously, though, I don't. Uh, you're such a girl. What does that mean? It means you're so sexy and beautiful and you make my life better in every way. Uh-huh. I was about to pop my pheasant out and mm-hmm, teach that's you right. a lesson. See, and boys, that's how it's done right there. Uh-huh. That's how you dig yourself out so, of a hole you so, made for yourself. So who's this guy you're referencing? Why, right, why Wilt, do we care? <laughs> Wilt Chamberlain, just for reference, he claims to have slept with over 20,000 women in his life. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Did he say that out loud he and everyone just like, did. okay. He did. As a matter of fact, it's been looking? well documented that he was this legendary coxman in the NBA. And if you break that math down, by the way, that's 1.4 women per day over the course of his lifetime. 1.4 women per day? Yeah. How old is he? I don't know. He's like 200,000 years old. I don't know how old he is now. <laughs> he might be dead for all I know. He spoke with 20,000 women. How is he alive and, and Magic Johnson has AIDS? I don't know. How do you sleep with one-fourth of a woman? Like four-tenths of two-fifths of a woman? That was the important question, yeah. right? And the other question is, who the hell are we impressing? Who is Chamberlain impressing, right? Are we impressing other men? Are we trying to tell women that by virtue of their obsession with sex or utter disregard for it, that we're good at it by proxy? I wonder, I need to think about this now. This has actually inspired some introspection. I wonder if that's ever made me attractive or if I know anyone that they've been attracted to the fact that a, a male they know is prolific there. And this applies to lifestylers too. I don't think too, so. Yeah. Because when we kind of are waving our flag of how many couples we're with or how many couples we're not with, which is something I think we've been guilty of because we're low mileage. We always tell people we're low mileage. We don't play a lot. That's true. And why do that we do it? Is it mental? I, is it the opposite? Yeah. Are we trying to say that we're better because we don't or we're worse because we don't? <laughs> what are we saying? I don't know. That's actually an excellent point. But it's probably a bad fucking idea and we've done it in our past. And I don't think we should do it anymore. Okay. Now, you got to yell at me the next time I do it because I'll probably do it like tomorrow. Yeah, I got you. When your mom gets here. Yeah, please don't tell my mom we're low mileage. I can't she wait. Can't it's going to be great. It. I can't she wait. She can't handle it's it. so good. All right, maybe not. My mother-in-law is coming to town, guys. You should fear for my life. Just saying. You'll be fine. Well, nice. anyway, so I, I just want to know, are we doing it because we want to be admired, loved, respected? And what if we're sending the wrong message? I mean, what if the message I'm sending you as a man, and this can be a lifestyle message, or this could be a message to the person that I think I might love. You're not going to be good enough. I won't be satisfied for long. You shouldn't bother trying. If she heard any of those first three things, imagine how she's going to receive a conversation about opening your relationship. Um, actually, I think after the last one, we go, we'll take the check, please. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> like there's, there's no hope of proceeding at that point unless you're into self-flagellation. Well, I, my question is, what if it's not about you, right? What if, it's, what if it's not about me? What if it's just these feelings of inadequacy and fear that we're insulating ourselves against and we do it over and over and over again because the behavior has beget the outcome? Yeah, I can see that. And it's almost like a defense mechanism. Like, I'm scared to succeed. I'm scared to be liked. I'm scared to be welcomed or appreciated. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. So let's just let's cut to the chase. I, I'm, I don't think you like me. So I'm just going to make sure you know all of the things you don't want to know. And we can just go from there. So you, right. you walk in going, no, zero opportunity for success. All right. So we just ruined so many people's dating lives because a lot of our listeners like 
the three, uh, a lot of them are not in the lifestyle. So they're going to go out and they're going to be like, so I got to tell you all the bad things about me. I fart in my sleep. I snore. I, I'm mean to my mom. And uh, I've been with like all the women. So let's hook up. Or none of them. Or none yeah. of them. I don't know. Okay. Don't do that, guys. Yeah. Just be cognizant of the message you're sending with the words that you use. So let's let's bring this back because we can get yeah. down a rabbit hole here really quickly. But how does it actually pertain to the lifestyle? You know, I I found you because I was looking, right? That's that's the message we're talking about. And this is I think that a lot of this applies to the monogamous relationships as well as the swinging relationships, right? I mm-hmm. found you because I was looking. This says I'm interested. I'm wanting you are desired. I'm looking for this and I found you. That's big, by the mm-hmm. way. I found you because there's something I didn't have in my life. There's something I missed or something I needed. And you were the light at the end of my tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. For us in our relationships, absolutely. Oh, you so much were in our. Yeah. I mean, every bad day I have, I know you're at the end of it. So for the most part, and sometimes it's with a hug and sometimes it's with my foot in your ass. Sometimes you're the reason I had a bad day. (laughs) You know what? That's actually fair. Ditto. Like it it does happen. But you know what? We have the kind of relationship. Sometimes we end it with a hug and sometimes we have to put our foot in the other's ass and go, hey, you're. The gotta there's no what was me here. Yeah, suck it like, up, Buttercup. We're gonna call accountability here, and neither of us are gonna like that conversation. So I found you because I was looking. Then mm-hmm. what? Or I stopped when I found you. Ooh, mm-hmm. hey, that was me. Yeah, because you were worried when I told you about the, my lifestyle experience before you. Yeah, I, well, I just wanted to know where you were coming from. Like, was that like? you know an orientation like or were you born this way yeah. do you need more will you always need this in your life i just had to know where i stand because again i, I like, need to know where i am yeah i felt like you were asking me will you ever be satisfied and i was like yeah from the second i laid eyes on you but i don't know that you believe me i mean 16 years later i think you do well of course i think that's where we stand i have to take you at face value but at the same time tenure your actions prove everything else that's what supports your words Mm -hmm. but you know you're always innocent till proven guilty i guess okay if if i had to give it a an analogy but in the lifestyle what comes next like what's like what i mean i stopped when i found you does that mean Mm, but you didn't stop loving experiencing other people Mm -hmm. didn't stop liking sex (laughs) and you definitely did not stop liking sex thankfully thank you for that actually or wanting sex with other humans yeah so what's wrong with that well, for us, it. nothing. Not a damn thing. <laughs> Get some, baby. Yeah. So what's so what's the point of all that? Uh, well, I, I think to a great extent, we ask questions that we don't want the answers to. Inherently. Or we s- ask the questions that we know that the, the answer, there's there's no right one. Yeah, there's well, no idea. And I think women do it too. So oh, what, what about 100%. women? 100%. Women always seem to round down for starters. Like you, I mean, when I met you, you might as well have been the Virgin Mary. You were like, I am a Puritan. I spend all day Sunday, every I Sunday did, at church. Okay, that's a gross misrepresentation. It might <laughs> be a slight exaggeration. I can't even like talk. Ever so slightly. This blue note, by the way, that I'm drinking tonight. Yeah. Which should probably be on the whiskey of the month list at some point in 2022. It's 125 proof, and I'm not allowed to have that anymore. Uh, you did punish that glass quickly. I, um, I'm having trouble enunciating. Well, it's 123 proof. <sighs> it's five 
It's, it's a tornado barrel too, by the way. Oh, it's delicious, yeah. but dangerous. Pretty impressive. We'll get to the whiskey of the so, month stuff later. But why do you guys round down? What the fuck is with oh, you people? Okay, let's just start with the fact that it's a fucking double standard. What? It's shameful. Not for I, me. I'm not. I got pom-poms out. In mm, this mm, community, mm. I, I'm celebrated for being, you know, slutty and delightfully whorish, as you like to call it. Um but like in in the wild, I'm sorry, society is not accepting of that. Like they're not comfortable with women owning their sexuality and being in that same role and going, yeah, I fucked five guys in one week. Like that's not okay. Society's not cool with that, guys. It's almost expected that you guys are going to sow your oats and be, you know, shamelessly, you know, prom- promiscuous. Oh, whoa, wait a minute! You just said an important word. Shameless. Shame. Mm-hmm. That you guys are celebrated for it, and women are typically shamed for it because we're supposed to be pure and demure and, and save ourselves. somehow our cocks are made more beautiful by all the women we sleep yeah. with. And your vagina is destroyed. I am so glad I wasn't born to be a concubine. Like, I can't even tell you how excited about that I am right well, now. You guys... First of all, you make a great concubine. But the... To one person, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not. But I, I kind of struggle with this whole like mentality, and, and this is something you did that I just was completely okay. flummoxed. By. I feel like we're going down this road, and you're gonna fucking call me out, and I'm I'm gonna take it on the chin. I'm gonna I'm I'm down with I this. I like it when it's on your chin. Okay, and ever and other places. Okay. Um, but you you did this. Like, I didn't do it intentionally. We, we had the conversation about our past, uh-huh. and I was really blunt about mine, and you gave me a lot of shit about mine and asked me a lot of questions that I maybe didn't identify as what you were really telling me, which is I was scaring you. And I asked you some questions and you answered me dishonestly in a lot of cases because of all the things that didn't count. Okay, so you have to understand that there was a negotiation factor that happened in my subconscious. And I think this was a condition of the other experiences and conversations I had and just what society expected of a young 20-something-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole, like, this this didn't count because, insert answer here, and I'm sure we'll run down that list. But there were certain things that didn't answer. Like, I hadn't told you that I'd been with women. Like, no. so when you asked me for my number and reciprocation, like... But in they our were first few months together, you lost your nose ring and a girl's pussy in the back of the Reverend's Infinity. That happened after that initial conversation, and have you? The Reverend still talks about that to yes. this day. Yeah. Well, so we, it was a good time. It was, but yeah. I just think that like girls don't count. It wasn't a one night stand because we knew each other for a couple of months okay. beforehand. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know. They, I my point is. At what point do we leave shame behind? And is it okay to leave shame behind in the lifestyle to say, I love sex. I'm unapologetic about it. I'm unabashed about it. I'm safe about it. I'm going to be honest with you. And if that's not good enough for you, you're not good enough for me. Should that be part of our present? Because our past is marred with these inconsistencies and this lack of truth. How do we do better? Well, I think for for the conversation we just had, it's a lot easier to feel comfortable having open conversations and not anticipating that failure or judgment that comes along with the honest answer. Mm-hmm. But in all fairness, it's not something we've really asked okay. or have been asked in the lifestyle. Okay. So, so what's different? 
Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's something that we all work through in a different way. I do have an important question for you, though. Shoot. One that we've kind of talked about before, but, you know. it. You can, I can't, you can't put it in my butt right now. Oh. Have you had anal with anybody else? I've tried. Yeah. Totally. You totally tried. Okay. I've totally tried. So I, you answered so that differently the first, like, three times I asked. <laughs> that's that not already. true. I told you this. There was only one other person. That got it all the way willing. in. I don't even think he got it all the way in because it hurt and, like, we did not do approach that right. Yeah. Um, cause I didn't know anything about it and obviously he didn't, he wasn't a good Sherpa. Oh, um, he was just going for gold. He literally dry, just smashing it in. I was like, that does not feel good. <laughs> I wonder why. So, and it happened so early on that I was like, yeah, I don't think, um, I trust anyone to try to do that again. It was just not, it wasn't fun. All right. So pro tip for anal, the element of surprise is not good. Yeah. No, no, that's called rape. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I've been calling it the wrong thing surprise all these years. Surprise anal also equals rape. Um, uh, surprise anal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I think fear is a big part of this, but I think respect's a big part of it too, don't you? A hundred percent. Because it's hard, and oh, I hate flying my feminism flag and having people misinterpret what I'm trying to say, but I'll just go ahead and put it out there. It is hard mm-hmm. to earn, maintain, and inspire respect as a girl. I think that in a lot of ways, men have it easier. You walk into the room, and if you're confident and commanding, people don't necessarily question you. But if you do that as a woman, people question your motivations mm-hmm. or your personality. Maybe she's a bitch, right? Mm. Over overconfidence, right? There's a there's a vi- and that that window's very narrow, much more narrow for women than it is men. And I think that's an in any social environment or even professional environment or especially professional, actually. Yeah. Something I've noticed over the last <laughs> forever in the lifestyle, it seems uh, as swingers, we don't really talk about our pasts, at least not in the same context as we do in relationships. We don't. Okay. So let's and, and dig in there. Maybe it's because we're expecting to be accepted. So it's not an issue. We're not worried about mm-hmm. not being accepted. It's, no one's it's known that no yeah. one's pure. We're all <laughs> whores here. That's not being questioned, right? Yeah. Our purity and, yeah. Right? I'm mm-hmm. a whore. You're a whore. We're all whores here. <laughs> I mean, I do love a girl that knows what she's doing. Right. Well, so do I. So. I mean, why is that? Is, is it a good idea that we don't discuss past? I mean, is it a good idea? I mean, let's let's actually put a different spin on this and say, that maybe you had a bad experience or experience where somebody didn't listen to you or didn't interact with you or didn't respond to you in a way that made you feel heard and safe. Mm-hmm. Would you interact in your next lifestyle interaction differently to maybe encourage that person to do those things? Right. Uh, are, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm just wondering like what sort of, where does talking about your past help and where does it hurt in the lifestyle? I think I'll, most of the behaviors we discussed here, I think they're, they're not really factored or negotiated into the conversation because we've all, for the most part, decided to respect each other. Yeah, we so left that, shame at the door. Yeah, we, we've left shame at the door. We're, we're all in the same club, mm-hmm. air quotes, and community. So that's really not part of the factor. So we should that out earlier fear and just go, okay, so we all have a bad da- foundation and baseline that maybe is raised above what we experience in our monogamous relationships earlier on in life. Mm -hmm. And we're just a lot more comfortable. It's the same metaphor I give when people ask about going to Hedo. 
it's so much different when you're able to shed yourself and be naked in front of the other humans. There's no hiding. You no. are who you are, and your most pure form. Naked as fuck. Naked as a jaybird. We are who we are, and it's it creates a different culture, and I call and I think that culture just continues to nurture our truest form of ourselves. You know, I think in the lifestyle, when it comes to our pasts, I think the biggest difference for me is I don't feel any discomfort allowing my past to influence the way I approach the future in a positive way. Mm -hmm. So if I feel like I have to talk about something, I feel more comfortable talking about it with my lifestyle friends than anybody else and saying, I had a bad situation here and I don't want it to happen again. Are we cool? And I think it's dealt with and handled so much better by lifestylers than it is in the early days of monogamous relationships because sure. maybe that lack of shame or maybe that comfort level, maybe that camaraderie, mm -hmm. uh, strength in numbers. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of reasons, but I think there's no reason not to hide from nor embrace your past in the lifestyle. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think the only thing your past does is make you a better lay. <laughs> okay fair yeah okay but i don't know maybe maybe the ghost has other other ideas because i hear the bells do you hear the bells i do oh no they're creepy are we moving to the present let's move to the present oh and talk about how all of that information affects us today off we go Those motherfucking ghosts. I know. They're dragging us all over the timeline. <laughs> what is this? The Avengers? <laughs> what? Yeah, Can I don't think jokes? this is what Dickinson nerd? had in mind. No. Right? Was it was it Charles Dickens? Not Dickinson. Dickinson was Emily Poet. Dickens. Also Charles psychotic. Dickens. Yeah. Yeah. Charles Dickens. Yeah. Sorry. Whatever. You, you Literature wasn't my strong suit, but at least I course corrected myself. You and did. I identified that I got that wrong. You didn't leave it up to me in the listeners. All right. If Monogamish hears this... Oh yeah. Please give me cred that I I fat thumbed with my lips that. So anyway. Oh Kate would have eviscerated you for that <laughs> one. Even though oh. she's a Shakespearean scholar. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But I'm sure they're very well apprised I'm of, certain um, of all anyway, of those. Anyway. Back to the present. So I like to think of the present as our consciousness mm -hmm. and like our, our self awareness, right? Um it's it's almost entirely influenced by the events in our past, right? We we make decisions subconsciously and consciously on the fly, and we do that from pulling data, empirical data that we've experienced in the in mm -hmm. our lives in the past, and we don't even know that we're doing it. Yeah, but I in think, some I think cases. it's a double-edged sword, right? So awareness, consciousness, presence, yeah. being in the we're present. All, it's like a rat in the maze. Well, it is. And, but I think there's a tragedy associated with it. The tragedy of presence is that more often than not, the best days of our lives are viewed in retrospect. We always look at the best days of our lives as days behind us. We almost never recognize what is happening to us in this moment as one of the best days of our lives. And if you knew, Correct. Yeah. If you knew, knew. Yep. that it was going to be one of the best days of your life, would you have done it differently? I think that ruins the experience. <laughs> Really? I really do. You're like, God, I wish I had I, said yes to that little blonde at the bar. <laughs> but it, 
but would have it still been the best day if you had known beforehand, right? Because we've we've had this debate in this conversation before that happy or happiness is something we think about in hindsight, not a, an emotion or something you experience in the moment, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, happiness is characteristically fleeting. It's the bong hit, the bowl hit, the orgasm, the the cigarette, the the whatever it is that drives you. Um, I'd, I'd the cheeseburger, argue, yeah. Right. Depends on what your what's your serotonin generator is, right? But yeah, uh, and and maybe that's part of presence. But I would love to say that if we could identify those moments in the present better, mm-hmm. we would enjoy our lives so much more because we would forget to be pissed off about what we read yeah. in the news or what somebody said on social media or any of the things that take us out of the moment. I I agree with you, but I actually think knowing. And identifying the moments that we make our decisions based on fear or negative experiences we had in past, maybe that hinder us or buffer ourselves to, to protect ourselves against that. Yeah. You know, we stop taking the risks or stop feeling, you know. It's astonishing what a motivator fear is. It is. It is what what worked and, and what actually hurt. I think we are custom built to pull that from our memory. We, we remember negativity and, and pain and hurt and all those emotions way more viscerally yeah. than we do happiness. I think that's just ha- how we're made. And that teaches us not to touch the stove when it's on or, you know, to run through fire or, you know. Right, because we need to be told not to run through fire for yeah. some reason. Ooh, I don't pretty. know. People jump out of planes. I mean, they have perfectly good seats. and like Breathe underwater like me. Breathe and- underwater, yep. I mean, yeah. yeah, there's crazy people like you that challenge the, the physics of it all. I am utterly stupid when it comes to stuff like that. But that's, but that's not what, what we're, we're talking, talking about. Yeah, yeah we're Christmas getting off stage. No, we're definitely back to the Christmas carol. We're talking about our present and what got us here and form the approaches we have, right? Yeah. And how we interact with the couples that we want to hold dearest to us. Yeah. So how much do we communicate about our present to other couples? I mean... Do we even ask? Do we? Or, hey, are, are you sleeping with other people? Do we ask that question? I, you know, I, I think only in specific circumstances. And I'm just gonna go out on a limb here. Say, hypothetically speaking, you've gotten really close with a couple, and mm-hmm. fluid bonding's on the table. I think in those conversations. I could see us having that. That is a fair, fair, fair yes. time to have that conversation. But in on a date with another couple. No fucking chance. Would I just you be offended if somebody assumed. asked you that? Like, have you been fucking anyone recently? I think I would be caught off guard because I would think we're all here for the same reason. We're going to go ahead and assume that we're all sleeping with other human beings. Yeah, it's I probably mean, the safest bet. Or I we think that's want a fair to. expectation. We want to at a minimum. Hello. Right. This right? is why we're here. I, right? Yeah. We're casual, not celibate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't bring my wimple with me. Um, to the date. <laughs> you have a wimple. If anyone can message me and tell me what a wimple is, I'll show you my boobs. Oh, there it is. This is the requisite part of the episode where Mallory offers to show you her titties. <laughs> in exchange I just for learned what a wimple was, item. so I don't know. Anyway. Okay, well, you got to be the first to message us what a wimple is to see Mallory's titties. Anyway. Anyway, do, do you think that people think it, even if they're not saying it? Maybe. Like sitting across the table going, oh, yeah, she's taking some dicks to the throat. Maybe. I mean, mean, humans have very, very strange diatribes in their brain. Yeah. And and what's the what's the payoff there to sit there and think about what someone else has been doing? Again, 
where does that come from? I think it's still motivated by fear. Am I not going to be good enough? Am I going to be big enough? Am I, I tell you what, for guys, what happens where fear comes into play in the present is, am I going to be able to perform in the future? And uh-huh. it fucks with our present. Okay. Is we start a, to worry about it. Do you think this, uh, the being present, the national like geographic reference, like a lion in the wild, that it's like analyzing its approach to its target or its, its, zebra whatever you want to call it i don't i don't know what the fuck they hunt I'm see all i'm thinking about is that one meme where the zebra is watching the lions fuck and it's like watching porn is more important than saving your own life yeah <laughs> but do you get it? We, we i think we can't help but kind of size each other and the situation up and go what is the likelihood of my success here like how what are what is their expectation of me yeah actually i i'm a little different i actually worry a great deal about being shot down. So I want some of the oh, things. Oh, no one likes rejection. Yeah, but one of the things that I have found myself I'm to be very guilty of, indi- of doing. difference. Yeah. I'd rather you not like me and tell me than just like be like meh. Well, that is exactly what I do wrong. You just pointed it out. So. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's it's funny because I was talking uh, to Jess, Cornfed, uh, and we were I was saying how this is something I do, and she actually remembered that's exactly what I did. She actually didn't think I liked her. Because I, and I do this with everybody that I'm afraid won't like me back. I made, I basically treat them with just enough indifference to where I don't make, because I'd rather make them feel like a friend than like somebody that, you know, I'm, I'm chasing after. But so I don't hurt myself by being told say, no. When, and I, I've caught myself doing it repeatedly. But then, so you project that it's for their own comfort where it's really trying to insulate yourself. Yes. And protect yourself from rejection. 100% driven by fear. And I do it to this day. Okay. I'm, I'm doing it like presently in a conversation we're having with a couple. So it's, I'm watching myself do it and going, you're an idiot. I'm in the present. I'm seeing it and I'm doing it anyway. I don't know how to break it. I think being conscious of it is the first step. Well, Good for you. Yeah, I mean, it's again, when you sit down and write these episodes, sometimes you think about, you guys think that we're like, all right, we're going to just like share all this knowledge with you guys and how great we are. No, we fuck this shit up too. At least I do. Mallory's perfect. I am not. Definitely not perfect. Tastes perfect. Yeah. But you, know, you think it's assumed that we all, just because we're swingers, that we're all like just kind of thinking I about think, it? I think that's kind of a given. It's yeah. kind of a softball question because we're all in here for the same objective. And I know even with the new folks like, there's a, a mutual understanding that the objective is here is to meet someone and at some point eventually or in very short form have sex with each other depending yeah. on your style and your desires. Or or create a long-term friendship that leads to some really good sex. Right. Which is more of our style. Sh- sure. Sure. But I'm just speaking I'm in broad strokes over here. Uh, you're covering all the all right, bases. Bob Ross. All right. Happy funny. little trees. Happy little trees. I need, by the way, I put that documentary in my watch list and I'm scared to watch it because I feel like he gets fucked over. Okay. Anyway, See, so what kind of hard conversations do we actually have? I think the, the hard conversations are actually way more important than the frivolous ones. Like, how many people have you been with? That's stupid. Most swingers, by the way, like I could not tell you how many people I have been with. It's. I I was just thinking I don't have enough fingers and toes. <laughs> you can't and, count. That or my high. fucking long term memory isn't that good anymore. Honey, I can tell you we've been together a long time. I could buy you an abacus and you would not be able to get there. Okay, first I know what an abacus is and now I'm like all like giddy because the sound it makes, especially when it's the old wooden balls, like the ones you play with <laughs> like in the doctor's office when you're a kid. 
But like on the larger scale, I love them when they're heavy wooden balls because they just make a very gratifying sound. I just wanted to fit I, abacus. I into learned a I learned how to do long division and on an multiplication. Yeah, on an abacus. And you call me old. Yeah, it was. We were poor. That's what we had. She didn't you have fucking any Amish. For the board. They didn't have a calculator. No, <laughs> Amish. <laughs> It was a poor school. <laughs> Clearly. Seriously, that abacus had been there since the school was built. I didn't know you were raised in Haiti. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Fuck the fuck off. Let's get back to this. So let's Some talk about, what about testing? Uh, testing is incredibly I think that's tough. A hard, I think that's really fucking hard because there's... there's when a couple you bring that up? Yeah. It's well, the no time easy. like the present. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the present. Well, that's why we put it in this fucking section. Right. So, <laughs> like, we're just going to assume everyone's sexually after you. So, I'm I'm comfortable throwing a grenade into the conversation, which isn't the most eloquent way to approach this. But if I feel like we're this is going somewhere, and I know they're they're sexually active with other couples. I don't I'm know that a grenade's the right way to do this. So, anybody had chlamydia? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Uh, okay, I'm awkward. I'll I'll draw that back. I'm awkward with segues. Like, if I think it and it's important and you need to know before we remove ourselves from the conversation, I'm not going to wait for a quote-unquote appropriate moment to say it. I'm just going to blurt it out and ask. Okay. Like Tourette's almost. (laughs) Pussy. Yeah. And this is where you come in to kind of soften the edges of that really This is why you need me. I do need you, actually. So where does everybody sit on syphilis? Yeah. I just think it's it's an important but a very challenging conversation to have especially if you haven't had it before and you know it's going down that path and this could be a deal breaker for the opportunity to have sex with this person in some cases well i think it does potentially push things out a little bit i don't think it's a deal breaker for any of us at least those of us that have been doing this a while that are adults about it if a couple that we want to hang if out with, if they've never been tested, with, they're sexually active and say we're we're not going to do it, and we haven't done it, that's then, not we're a deal break. Okay, then we're out. Then we're out. But say. if they if we they were like, hey, we haven't been, but we'll totally do that and share it with you. Great. Uh, let's do that before we make that next step. I think that that's perfectly reasonable to ask if, especially when it comes to the testing thing, to share that kind of information before we establish that layer of trust. I would be personally turned off. If I asked about it and somebody got offended, I would say, well, this isn't worth getting offended about because I'm about to share my most important person in the universe with you. And I just want to know that if something happens, because condoms do break, I've broken two in the lifestyle in the last year. Mm-hmm. So I want to know that, first of all, you're going to be responsible about it. You're going to, you're going to get checked. You've been checked. Uh, you're going to be honest with us, and that's, it's not going to be uncomfortable yeah, for me to ask. That's that's the hook there, the expectation of honesty. And that's that's a hard one to gauge because especially if you're really into the couple, for me, testing is the first like major gate if I ask that question. And this could go two ways. I feel that you lied to me, which that's a whole another bag of tricks. Or it's not important... For, enough for you to engage in that activity or in that conversation and if I was really into you I'm setting myself up potentially for disappointment because now for me it's off the table so it's um there's always a little drum roll in the back of my head like ooh, what's gonna happen what's gonna happen what's gonna happen and go well you you touched on something really important there because you talked about expectations and Mm -hmm. expectations are this 
thing that honestly hurt you more than anyone else Mm -hmm. because your expectations are developed over time based on your own behavior. I would do it, so I expect they would, but you never said it. So if you don't communicate expectations, all you're doing is setting landmines for someone else to blow themselves up. Wait, we can't read each other's minds? No. (gasps) Get out. If men could read minds, they would find the clitoris on the first try. Fair. Right? It's just the way it is. You don't need to hear my grocery list while I'm giving you a blowjob. No, but I don't really give a shit what you're thinking about (laughs) while you're blowing me. (laughs) You could be reciting the Constitution in your head for all I care. Gettysburg address. Whatever. Four skin and seven years ago. Uh, You know, I do think, though, that uh, these things can bite you, right? I mean, you have to remember your own throne room. And we've talked, we talked about throne room in our boundaries episode last. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, if you don't respect your own boundaries, if you sacrifice those boundaries mm. to meet expectations that someone else has set out for you, whether they're implied or spoken, you can find yourself in a really bad situation when you get back to your own throne room across yeah. from your own queen. And, you know, it's a lot easier to do than you could imagine just having this conversation between you and I, especially if you're a people pleaser. It's easy to blur those lines or take that leap in order to placate or give this person that you want to have a great experience, a great experience overall. But, and you may not even acknowledge that that's a sacrifice or that could be an an impediment. Well, fun fact, in our core, we're all people pleasers. We all want to say yes. Everyone wants to say yes. We No is uncomfortable. No is is confrontational. No is a problem. So... When we say no, we expect that it's going to be met with friction instead of acceptance. Yeah. We're, and I think that's a little different apt, with lifestyles. Yeah. yeah. I think but, I think as humans, we're more apt to give redirection yeah. than we are to say no. Right. Right. Does so that make sense? If somebody keeps playing with your butthole, you just flip over and be like, nope, nope, nope. Just going to clench my butt cheeks and put it on the bed and maybe I'll stop. Yeah. Right. And we're okay. back to the anal again. Here we go. But how about some frustrations with our present? Mm, yes. I think there's some important keywords here um, or phrases as we're being present and having conversations around this. The whole I feel, right? Yeah. Owning what you're trying to say. I feel like or I feel as if. That's so important for communicating frustrations to say I feel Mm -hmm. versus you. I will raise my hand very, very high. I catch myself still today fucking that up. Yeah. Well, it's it's really, I would say it's probably one of the most common ways that two people argue. Mm-hmm. How about when four people are involved mm-hmm. and you go, this is great. you guys always, you guys, you guys, you guys. But you didn't say what behavior is making you feel like and why it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we don't matter. Maybe you don't hear us. Maybe this friendship isn't what we thought it was. Yeah. Maybe we don't, maybe... Our health isn't important to you, so you didn't get tested. I mean, you, you when you talk about you, it's mm-hmm. confrontational. I feel like maybe we're not a match because of yes. X, Y, or Z. I feel like we could be a great match, and I'd like to know more about X. Yeah. Actually, Instead you can you use going, I feel in a positive way, too. A hundred percent. Yeah. But I feel is so much more important because it brings the focus back to your emotions, your boundaries, your well-being. I feel is so much better than you. I'm a, I, 
I feel like when you say that, you're holding yourself accountable and giving your giving your perspective on that situation specifically. And it opens the floor up to let other people contribute to it and give their perspective honestly and openly instead yeah. of accusatory or unwanted like because let's face it we for you and i we are we collect introverts and when we look at them and go you they're like ah not me don't look at me don't put me on a pedestal like they hate they're not necessarily they like affirmation in very small doses and very uh, varying degrees but was there some not. version of you that was russian or where you grew from despicable me i mean what was that i missed that. <laughs> did i make a voice? you made an accent there that just made no <laughs> sense whatsoever to. it just happened we're just not gonna talk about it anyway. all right let that go uh segue and oh, go and segue how about you know that just saying the word if, if i walk up to you and go you suck you know exactly where i stand you know exactly how i feel i pointed at you and i said something yes negative. sir i do it very well <laughs> but you know if I look at you and I say, I feel like what you did makes me question my value to you. Mm. I said the same thing. And I told you that now I have reservations about where I stand because of your behavior. And I never said. I disagree. It changes the conversation. You said, this is my opinion of you versus this is how I feel given well, right. Well, get, don't get me wrong, guys. A lot of times my default is fuck you. I just go straight for the jugular. Fair. <laughs> like, but I'm a little more aggressive than some people. So, I mean, I, I do think, though, that when it's with another couple, because what we just talked about, a lot of it was just kind of interpersonal in with you and your wife or you and your partner. Mm -hmm. But what if it's with another couple? How do you communicate with another couple when you've got a disconnect in the now, a disconnect in the present? Right? It's... I still think you focus on on yourself. You focus on your throne room. What are your rules and your boundaries? And how are they being impacted by the behavior that you're uncomfortable with? I mean, we're already in a, 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 in a very vulnerable position mm -hmm. anyway. I think you have to try to go into the conversation not pissed off. Yeah, with an open mind. A very open mind. Don't make a snap decision in the moment because the conversation may be worth the outcome, right? When you, and it's hard, especially when something may, may hit a nerve or spark some inner fear. Mm -hmm. Just pause and let, let it, let it develop. Encourage the conversation, encourage the dialogue around it. Yeah. I'm going to throw something out here that will bother some people, oh, but I'm no. going to encourage you guys to hear me out on this one. There are a lot of people out there that are fairly introverted in their nature. We collect them as casual swinger. It's just something we've always I think done. I'm fucking attracted to them. Like, oh, you apparently. are. There's no question about it. Yeah. But I think one of the challenges they have is talking, uh, period, about how they feel, what they don't. I mean, they let extroverts do all the work because it's easier. But here's the problem. They have boundaries. They have rules. They have feelings. They have expectations. They have all these things but they aren't necessarily as open about communicating them as extroverts are. So what I'm going to encourage the introverts of the world that are listening to this episode right now to do is when you feel in the present like you're not being heard, write it down. Write down what you're thinking. Write down what you're feeling. Write down the expectation that you feel isn't being met, but how you feel about that not being met. Don't blame anybody for it. And 
as the people reading or seeing or experiencing what this person is saying, I encourage you to listen with an open mind, open ears, and an open heart because that person is doing their best to communicate. And if you shut them down, they'll never do it again. Yeah, they they need one example to pull from that kind of paves the way for the rest of the relationship. It's very black and white. True or false, yes or no, black and white. We're extroverts, kind of. <laughs> yeah, we just talk Very, and talk and talk and talk yeah, and talk. Like you, there's almost, especially if it's socially and organically, something that has very little consequence where you may not remember speaking a sentence, but an introvert may grab onto that, what you said, and internalize it and, and mull that older and bring that up six months from now. And you're like, I don't even remember that I said that. In the middle of a different sentence, too. And yeah. you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. It happens all the time. Anyway, I all digress. Right. So what kind of conversations are we not having? Some that we probably shouldn't. Yeah, I, I, I think anything to do with religion, politics, you know, anything that falls under, under those umbrellas. Anything that Fox limits. News and CNN talk about on the regular, we should probably not talk about. Yeah, stuff. I, and I love you and you're my husband. I don't even talk about that stuff with you. For me, it's super personal. I do enjoy dialogue and discourse, but in very small doses, mm-hmm. just because I like having that be very private to my person. My my opinion on those things are mine. I feel the same way about and conversations f- about money. Yeah, and if I if I really feel compelled to evangelize, I'll mm-hmm. do so on a different platform and a, in a different methodology. That's what Facebook's for, apparently. <laughs> no, I'd never do it on <laughs> I social know you media. Don't. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm I'm that weirdo. Yeah. Well, I mean, how about like I don't know local couples like we suck at meeting friends like that live within an hour of us okay like we, we we don't talk to enough people that live close to us i think that's something in our present that we do badly yeah right? oh a hundred percent i think when we get to the future uh, part of this conversation that ghost comes and collects us because i'm sure he's on his way Oh, he'll be here momentarily and we'll talk a little bit more about that but yeah it's something we could definitely improve upon i think we're very blessed and fortunate to travel to um, these humans that we've collected and that like us and want to keep us around um, that there's a certain level of comfort in there and, and it in some way inhibits us from expanding our boundaries. But at the same time, we're very comfortable in there. Yeah. We're I not moving know. to Iowa no matter what any of you fuckers say. Yeah. So. Uh, see, you can go a whole episode damn about it, saying damn it, Iowa. Damn it, damn it, damn it. I did it again. Damn it, damn it. <sighs> All right. I did it. Whatever. It's just for you guys. <laughs> all right so what about our present together before the ghost gets here you know 16 years of being tied at the hip what sort of things have been shaped by our path do you think my tolerance for your fucking sound effects oh we'll whatever you love my sound effects how about honesty to a fault we're both guilty of that oh yeah you know i think you're more honest with me when you get mad at me though um I uh, I think it's efficiency, honestly. I just want to shorten the pathway. Like, we have an established level of comfort where I know I don't have to always soften the edges and I can just, like, be like, hey, I feel like this, mm-hmm. period. And I don't have to exaggerate or elongate the conversation. I'm just trying to be honest and put it out there. Maybe I need a resolution. Maybe I don't. But, bam, there it is. Tourette's. <laughs> yeah, you got a little of that. Well, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna turn that around on you and say uh-huh that we have collectively 
really made an effort to focus on the positive. Oh, motherfucker. There's there's so much negative shit in the world and lives that we could oh, yeah. focus on. But pouring energy into the positive is very important for us in our relationship and as individuals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. And parents and all that good stuff. Um, what about being better about asking what we want? Yeah. yeah I think asking we've... for the business. That's something well, I need to get better at, but you're really good at it. I think just asking what we want of each other or of this experience, I think we've gotten good at. Yeah. That's something we're doing well in the present. Executing it and being better at other things is something for the future. You know what? I think something that we've gotten better at as a couple in our present based on our past experiences with each other and externally is taking no for an answer from each other. Oh, 100%. Without getting mad. It's not personal. I think it's second nature that I do it without a thought. I think my... If I had to triage it, I check in with you, make sure you're cool. No is all I need. Understanding a little bit why, I I appreciate that. But there's never like any remorse or recounting the conversation and going, but what if? Like that has never happened. No. Okay. Well, that, that's good, I guess. <laughs> okay. That's good, I guess. I, I guess, I suppose. No, I think it's great. I just, I feel like... There's a lot of opportunities for me to get that wrong, and and that's what I worry about. I always want to make you happy. What about this one? Um, Never assigned to malice. What can be more easily explained through stupidity, miscommunication, or frustration? We're both guilty of doing that wrong on the regular. Uh Uh-huh. Because you can explain almost every behavior I exhibit through stupidity. That's (laughs) not true. Miscommunication, I think, is probably the the number one. Yeah, I think so. I think that that's, that's 100% the case. And, and I'm just going to reiterate what Mallory just said because it's a good rule for life. Never assign to malice what can be more easily explained through stupidity, miscommunication, right, or frustration. Like somebody just missed the boat, right? It's not everybody's evil just because they didn't agree with you in the moment. I, I think I can shorten this. Just don't assume the worst. Have the conversation. Ask the question. And that applies to the lifestyle in your present right now, folks. Don't assign to malice what's easier explained through something else. That's a really, really good rule. And, and you know, one that I think is important that's made a big difference for you and I is never have conditions. Never say this or else. Or else Ugh. is the worst thing you can say to your partner or to someone you want something from. Yeah, that to me is um, emotional negotiation. and We're just not going to have that. Yeah, Mm-mm. no, none of that. There, no, that's, yeah. that's probably bad. Anyway, we should keep an eye toward our future. A negative emotional negotiation. I heard me say that, and then I replayed it, and I had to correct myself. So did the ghost. He's oh, probably told you. That motherfucker. I don't even have pants on. Oh, I well. know. It's so I'm good let to my have you record breathe. pantsless. Will you be pantsless in the future? Yes. You'll find out. We'll be back in two seconds, folks. <laughs> I'm not sure about you guys, but these ghosts are really starting to drive me crazy. Are they? Because um, I forgot my pants. I, I love that. You, you didn't wear pants in your past, your present, or now and in the future. You're not wearing pants. Yeah. I think you're just pantsless. I am. Nah, you know, we think about our swinger future all the time. Pretty soon the boy will be like out of the house and we'll have time to do more things. Like, I don't know, 
play at home. Host more parties. No pants. Yeah, on no pants all the time. All the time. How about some travel? Yeah, I mean, we travel some now, but more travels would be great. Yeah, we just got to wait for the dogs to finish up with that whole living thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the create sexier content, which I know we're scheduling like the sexy pictures like in between. We've done really good about taking a bunch yeah. of sexy pictures lately. I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> I'm not I'm not mad. Yeah. yeah. I need to it, maybe lay off the button a little bit because I took 1,300 pictures to get like 40 because... Oh, my God. Well, I just kept holding the button down, so I have so many photos of basically the same thing yeah. Like when I scroll through. And anyway. I have to... I don't know. You said you're going to share that file with me, and I'm like, I don't know that I want to see all 1,300 because I'm my own worst critic and maybe the edited... I don't know. I think you'll hate it, honestly. That's why I don't show them to you. Yeah. Because you're like, that now it just sounds like Now it just sounds like you edit the shit out of them. I don't edit the photos themselves. I just, like, if there's one where you're looking at me with your tongue sticking out, yeah. I don't necessarily, like, use that one. Yeah. Right? It's, I, I'm going to go ahead and, like, ruin the uh, magic for everyone and let them know that I have ta- a couple tattoos that you take out. That's the only thing I edit yeah. on your photos. Now and in the future. I know. You left my cellulite. And the other day I was like, oh. Ouch. But you know what? I'm human and I fucking have it. So it's we cool. We are as advertised. Yeah. Period. No, I actually appreciate that. It was just a little uncomfortable for me to go, hmm, yeah, in my head. my ass up over that. <laughs> and that was in the past, folks. So this is the ghost is not looking at that right now. So right. Mallory, the ghost is angry Speaking at you. Speaking of segues, that's my word of the day. Oh, the segue is her word of the day, but... No, and uh, hey, you know what? Maybe we'll set up a studio in this house when the boy goes and like yeah. have somewhere to record that's legit where you yeah. get real sound quality. Maybe we'll get our casual swinger week together. Hey, casual swinger that week would be a great be thing amazing. for the future. Amazing. Casual swinger wait. week needs to happen. Yes, it does. I think everybody's been telling us it needs to happen. It really does. But is any of that stuff influenced by the decisions that we made in the present now that we're in the future? I mean, because all this stuff is happening now because that's what happened, right? The ghost has taken us to the future and okay. we're playing at home. We're having house parties. We're traveling. We're creating sexier content. You never wear pants. We have casual yeah. swinger week. Yeah. How much of that is influenced by the stuff we did? Like the throne room, for example. Oh, the throne room, 100%. Um, I think that's something that will be ever present and carried on into the future because um, it's important us to protect each other and our and our feelings. I think that's that's huge, and I think it's very important to remind each other where we stand. We're human beings, and we've been together sixteen years. And I don't doubt that I'm your favorite woman on this planet, aside Shouldn't. from our tri- aside from our children. No, I like you better than them. <laughs> Fair. Just saying. However. I think it's important for us to remind each other, and I don't. I see that continuing on. I do too. Now, something that I think is critical in the future. No deal breakers. Yeah, hundred percent. We 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 outlined that years. Our ago. future exists almost exclusively because of that rule. Yeah, we. Decided, there will always be a future for us because of no deal breakers. I think we <laughs> we decided to write the ending of our story. Before it happened, saying, we're going to succeed no matter what. Mm-hmm. We just both have to want that. How many things in your life could be achieved if failure were impossible? What would you try to do? I definitely still would not jump out of a plane. Ah, you pussy. Come on. You yeah. got this. Yeah. Hey, what about you? I know there's something you're not very good at. Yeah. Yeah. So here in the future, uh-huh. I am better at asking for the business and telling people. Like we said, in the present, 
This is something I'm bad at. This is something that I fear. This is something that I don't want to be told no, but I actually more than being told no, what I'm afraid of is making someone uncomfortable who has to tell me no. I need to make it easy for them to tell me that they're not comfortable moving forward at this time. It doesn't mean I'm not good enough. And that's something I have to come to terms with. I have to recognize that not good enough for you doesn't mean I'm not good enough, period. Mm-hmm. That just means I don't meet up or match up with what you're looking for. And in this future, I'm good with that. In this future, I'm better at that. In this future, I can look you in the face and go, I want you. And if you don't want me, it's cool. We're still friends. Yeah. it's You're still part of the same puzzle. You just Your ends might not fit together. Right? And I don't know in the future how I'm going to do this, but my goal is to be a better assist for you in those, in those manners, because you're a hundred percent right. It doesn't mean you're not good enough. You're just not a match. Yeah. And I think in, in my case, I got to stop making women feel like I'm not interested. So I won't take a chance on doing that. And that's something I am bad about guys. And I wonder how many of you are just like me. That you just either keep it so platonic. Now, what I tend to do is I tend to go down the path of humor, right? I'm just, I start making jokes or, you know, making it silly or whatever, just so I don't have to worry about it. It never goes there, so there's no question. There's no one's ever uncomfortable if they're laughing. But the only person that's uncomfortable when the night's over is me because I wonder what I missed. In the future, don't... this me doesn't happen. Okay. Well, you say the word. Whatever I can do to help support and encourage that, you let me know. The word is blowjob. Blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> um, How about you? Mm, this is going to sound crazy, but knowing when I want the business, the future means better at that. Think so? Uh-huh. Um, sometimes I get caught up in the intensity of the environment or the general socialization, especially if we're starting to connect a little bit. Um it, or if we have a well-defined timeline, like with a new couple or a new person, um, sometimes that skews how I feel. I'm I'm so engrossed in the moment that I'm not checking in and going, how do I feel? Am I sexually attracted to this person? Because it takes me a, a long time in general to get there, but I don't have a lot of check-ins initially. I'm almost caught off guard when someone approaches me after a meeting or a date and they're like, hey, this is great. I want to. And I'm almost shocked by it when it's the whole fucking intention to be there. Like I wander and maybe it's my own innate fear of indifference mm-hmm. or rejection or rejecting them of some degree um, to know what I actually want to. I need to let myself be at ease with whatever decision that is even if I have to make it on the fly, I have to, to stop letting that pressure in the moment get to me and I have to be a little more present and check in. Okay. Well, it you know, the present version of us had a kind of funky rule mm-hmm. about travelers because all roads lead through Orlando. A lot of you guys out there in Listenerville know That's that we live in Orlando. Excellent point. Everybody comes to Orlando sooner or later. Lots of hot dates and fast dates and speed dates and all that shit out there. People going, hey, we're going to be staying at on iDrive tonight and we'd love to hang out with a cool couple. Hey, uh, Mickey and Mallory, we can't find a cool couple, so we'd like to hang out with you. Uh, what do you guys got going on? And we're like, 
No, we don't really do travelers. I mean, that, that, that doesn't mean we won't hang out with people. We'll hang out with anybody, but we pretty much take play off the table immediately. Yet, we continue to tell people in the past and the present that we don't, we, we don't play with anybody locally because we just don't. And everybody that we hang out with, all our friends, everybody lives somewhere else. Why the hell don't we meet travelers if everybody we meet and hang out with and play with lives a thousand I miles I really away? feel Why like we we're care? just like, we're really horrible fucking swingers. Yeah. We're not casual. We're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe the present version of us is doing it wrong, we but the future really, version of us could do it yeah. better. We're, we were much more flippant, I think, early on. Oh, God, yeah. We were like, sure. That but again, we lived in the sticks. We yeah. have a choice. Yeah. That evolution's really strange to play it back. It kind of is. But I think maybe what could come from us being They're more good. willing to meet travelers is some good relationships. I was going to say, I think maybe we were a little short-sighted. Maybe, maybe that's something we can experience in the months and years to come and see where that takes us. And you never maybe know. Maybe open it up. Friends that live really far away might move to Florida one day. You never know. I didn't say it. I didn't say I know. Nope. Nope. Said nothing. Mm -mm. You can't look at me like that. I didn't say anything. Nope. Nope. You're nope. still we'll looking feed, at me. We'll feed them corn another day. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the future. And the ghosts are done with us. What did we learn? What do we want more than anything out of all of this? I think we want to be better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we want to maximize our opportunities for growth and experiences. I think it's good to check in and, and give some perspective on where we've been, where we are, and where we want to be. Yeah. You know, we have very busy lives. You and I both have um, selected jobs that are careers. Our children are older. We can get it caught up in the minutiae of life. And this has literally been kind of a a, a literal check-in moment for the two of us and go, what what do we want? We Here's where we were. Here's the idea of the conversations we had looking back into our past and how that affects today and what we know now, what tomorrow and the future looks like. Kind of crazy, isn't it, to sit back and look at your past, your present, and what that present means for your future and go, whoa, mm -hmm. we didn't really plan this shit. <laughs> No, I like being able to draw the lines, though, and pull from experiences and go, I, I, if I want to do it differently or if I don't, these are the reasons why. And yeah. be a little more intentional with it. Anyway, life, life affords us the opportunity to deal with things as they come about more than we probably ever want it to. Yeah. Well, we are reactive creatures yeah. and relational, as mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier. But, mm -hmm. you know. Now that the ghosts are done with us, we did promise these guys no matter how long we run, no matter how late we run, you're going to get Whiskey of the Month. So <gasps> Mallory, such a good one. why don't you tell everybody where to find us since it's been a while and we'll come back with Whiskey of the Month and we'll put a cap on, or no, we'll put a bow on this bitch. Ooh, a bow? A bow, it's Christmas. So we are Casual Swinger everywhere. Uh, CasualSwinger.com is our website. You can message us by podcast at casualswinger.com i am not drinking high test bourbon anymore because so i can't good. do this spiel just keep fucking literally it up. my great. tongue is numb <sighs> we are also on social media you can find us on facebook youtube instagram and twitter which is the dirtiest one and the dating sites double date nation cassidy sls and 
And there it is, folks. We'll be back in a quick hot second this Christmas episode. You've been listening to Casualist Man. And we're back with Whiskey of the Month. Oh, is it time for that? That is like, I don't know. I kind of love that new segment. I really do. Candy is dandy, but whiskey makes you frisky. For those of you that don't know what Whiskey of the Month is, or this is your first time listening to Casual Swinger, keep in mind that Whiskey of the Month is our pick this month for our favorite whiskey, which could be a rye, could be a blend, could be a bourbon, could be a whiskey, but more important than anything... I'm going to twist his arm for a scotch, but we'll, we'll wait. Okay, so maybe one day it'll be a scotch, but in this moment... These whiskeys are under 50 bucks and widely available anywhere you buy whiskey. So, Mallory, what is December's Whiskey of the Month? Mm, I love this one. I've actually loved this uh, whiskey for a very, very long time. Um, this one is Angel's Envy, which has a beautiful story about it. Um, it's let's Let's start with... What is Angel's Envy? Let's let's just start there. Let's right? establish it. Mm-hmm. So it's a port finish. Um, it's blended in small batches of eight to twelve barrels at a time. Um, the company says that the bourbon is t- typically aged up to six years, which makes it fairly fucking young. Fairly, it's, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to find a, a, a gener- generationally established bourbon mm-hmm. in the under fifty range, but for its taste age i call this a bargain yeah i would um, say there is um it's finished in a ruby port wine cast uh for an additional three to six months um for the finishing process the company uh uses uh was 60 gallon ruby port barrels made from french oak yeah um and those are imported from Portu- portugal so it sounds like a lot of like he said she should bullshit right shit's moving around all like, over the place like the portugal like, give us some wood france french like, wood. Yeah, sure. it's french wood from portugal um and i don't know how much that impacts the flavor profile um because we know enough to be dangerous but not enough to know where that influence comes from i know i like bourbons finished in port cast i like the flavor it provides especially on the end notes um and this in this age, they tend to be a little young, a little hotter, but I feel Angel's Envy gives me a nice experience, given the price, given the heat, sure. especially on um, on the rocks. Let it melt a little bit for a water back. Yeah. Well, just me. Uh, so ahead. the thing about Angel's Envy is it was the first really finished whiskey out there, right? I mean, today it's all the rage, right? Everything from Woodford Double Oaked to Breckenridge so Port Cast. they were a trailblazer in the, the finishing very, cast? Very much so. It was a fantasy of their master distiller. Uh, and one of the reasons we selected Angel's Envy for today is because this episode's been a story, right? We've talked about a Christmas Carol and, and all these other things. And I think the story of Angel's Envy is probably one of the cooler stories of any of the whiskeys out there. It's, it's a very emotional, impactful story. It is. It's a generational family story that starts with a gentleman by the name of Lincoln Henderson. God rest his soul. He died back in 2013. Now, Lincoln Henderson was a master craftsman of whiskey with a healthy respect for tradition, but he also possessed a restless instinct for constant improvement. During his years at Brown Foreman, Lincoln was the creator of many notable brands, including Woodford Reserve and Gentleman Jack. Which, I mean... 
Yeah. <laughs> you you walk into any bar that has a midline, right? Yeah. Not top tier midline. They have Woodford and Gentleman Jack. That was actually really, really popular back in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. Yeah. yeah, very much so. And I mean, hell, uh, what most favorite cousin still drinks Gentleman Jack. Yeah. So it's there's quite a few folks that, that put that down. Uh, we're not a Jack Daniels house here, but you know what I can tell you is that Lincoln Henderson was Link or, or rather Angels Envy was Lincoln Henderson's first and only independent project. Everything else was for a distillery, and he considered Angels Envy his masterpiece. So a little more about Lincoln Henderson. He was a man of many accolades. He was one of the inaugural inductees into the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame and was also awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award from Malt Advocate. Nearly 40 years of international spirits experience gave Lincoln a unique perspective on the industry. He often considered how techniques used in one type of whiskey or distilling would influence others. Everything from wine to gin to vodka to rum all the things you see out there today, right? Things that are finished in rum casks or toasted barrel finishes or port finishes or Cabernet finishes, right? Uh, French rum Blood casks. Oath. Blood Oath, which is the, a blend, yeah. Yeah, the, the blend where it's finished in a specific cask. Absolutely. Like Whistle pig. Whole shtick. Yeah. All the boss hogs are finished in funky casks. Mm-hmm. All this came about from Angel's Envy, a $50 fucking whiskey. Now, Lincoln had as many ideas as he did barrels of whiskey that he tasted. He logged all of these into a little black book that he passed down to his son, Wes. That little black book, he would continue to enjoy his distinctive and particular plans for whiskey for generations to come because that black book was passed on to his son. Now, when Lincoln came out of retirement to create Angel's Envy, it was to collaborate with his son on a bourbon finished in port barrels, much like Mallory just said. Can I interrupt you? Of course. Was it? Coined Angels Envy at the time? No, it was not. Okay, I just okay. It wasn't coined Angels Envy. I'm until foreshadowing. The end. I'm foreshadowing. Go ahead. <laughs> a little foreshadowing, a little future speak there. So he he'd had the little idea in his little black book for years, but he'd never had the chance to explore it because it always worked for somebody else. He was retired, and it was just as important to Lincoln to be creating a new type of whiskey as it was to be building something with his family. Wes's son Kyle eventually joined the family business to help with the fledgling brand and learn side-by-side with his father and his grandfather. Rooted in 200 years of bourbon heritage and inspired by legendary master distiller Lincoln Henderson's lifetime spent crafting these fine spirits, Angel's Envy is, in fact, his masterpiece. The 5% of spirit lost each year during the aging process in a barrel is called the Angel's Share. Pause for effect there. The angels share the five percent lost to evaporation, which is, which is on average yes. what happens. Yeah, when you age whiskey in a barrel, you lose five percent a year, and it's called the angels share. That's the share that the angels take in exchange for what you get from that barrel. After testing his own finished whiskey for the first time, Mr. Henderson joked that we'd finally gotten a better deal than the angels did. And so Angel's Envy was born. The very angel wings on the bottle signify homage to Lincoln Henderson himself, who died in 2013. So did he die before or after initial production? Just after. Yeah. So, but it was before the bottles were taken. So he was able to coin the, the nomenclature, yes. the, the, the angel share. Yeah. 
He coined the angel's share, and then he died, and they put his wings for his angel on the bottle. Yeah. Which I think is just a fucking awesome story. It's really cool. But let's tell you a little bit about the whiskey itself, right? What's the nose like on it from your perspective, Mel? Um, my nose, although a bit muted in retrospect, um, you know, it's got a little bit of oak and vanilla. Um, maybe a, a bit of berry jam. Um, it drifts upwards. Uh, mingled in. I've heard this. I find it. I, I have a hard time catching it, but I've, I've, I've had it here and there, um, be it, albeit an ex-smoker. Um, peanut shells, um, sweetness. You definitely feel the sweetness, like a syrup sweetness from it. Yeah, a little bit. And, and I think that's common, especially for, for finished whiskeys. Yes. And it's definitely, they typically, finished whiskeys tend to be, I don't want to call them lower proof, but average proof. Yeah. So this is at or under 90. Yeah, it's like 86 proof, which means it's not going to be super harsh or super hot. Yeah. Uh, but it means that it's also not extremely or overly distilled because they want you to get that port finish. They mm -hmm. want you to taste the port. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely layered in the experience. Absolutely. So in terms of a palate, it's a little, like Mallory said, a little vanilla, a little oak, leather. It all comes together with peppercorn and raisins and all the different things that they add in that finishing process. For being finished for only three to six months, you'd expect maybe a little more impact uh, from the port barrels. It's it's not really port heavy, but it's just not the case. Which I think is why you, you like it. You typically are not I don't a fan like port, of the yeah. deep port finishes. Where yeah, the Breckenridge I is heavy. Breckenridge I, I love. Yeah. Yeah, especially yeah, as like a nightcap, like um, post-dinner drink. Agreed. You know, but the finish itself, the finish has a lot, a lot going for it, right? It's got a lot of different uh, flavors and impacts and smells, especially like when Mallory drinks it, when you water back it, some of that, you know, that aroma comes out of it a little bit. Yeah. And I, I haphazardly water back it. I'm a, let it, the ice melt water back. Um, but it does bring out the layers of it. And I do prefer it to be unmixed. Mixing it in a, in a Manhattan or an old fashioned or any other myriad of bourbon whiskey you know base drinks i think it's best served either neat mm -hmm. if you're of that elk or on on the rocks and, and let that ice melt and give it a little water back because that'll bring out some of the softer more pleasant sweeter flavors of it yeah so just kind of wrapping up how we feel about angel's envy it's a great whiskey we love it uh, it's Whiskey of the Month for December, and it is because, you know, despite finished bourbons being commonplace today and all these different finishes like we talked about earlier, things like Woodford Double Oaked or Breckenridge Port Finish, there's, there's a lot of them out there. You know, this was an experiment by a master distiller, someone who was a legend in his own time. And it's become a common creative outlet for other distillers to test their skill sets. The mindset in the industry have all changed over a very short period. In large part, it's due to Angel's Envy. Angel's Envy Port Finish affords a, I would say, a really good sip. It's a great pour, especially at the $50 price point. It's not as bold as you see from other bourbons like Yellowstone or, again, Woodford Double Oaked or something like that, or even Elijah Toasted Barrel Finish. But they've caught on, and I think it's all in part to a story, a family, and a master distiller 
that had a story to tell in his little black book. And I think that it rounds out this episode of Casual Swinger in a pretty good way. Don't you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely in the, in the upper echelon of that $50 price point. But I think as far as the value for the experience and the quality of bourbon you get, and the different layers you go through, if you really like to experience each and every one, like, like a sommelier, right? I think it's well worth that price point and a value at that. A whiskey sommelier. Yeah. Is that's there something? Is that what? Is it called a sommelier? Because that's think what. So. No, I don't think so. It, there I don't know what it's called, an, honestly. There's got to be a name. We're not for experts it. at this shit. No, no, we no, just no, like no. whiskey. Very much so. We yeah. don't golf. We don't play tennis. We don't collect stamps. I think some people have Pokemon seen cards. behind your pictures on Twitter. They've seen the bar, the casual bar. Oh, they do like whiskey. We got a little bit of that. But hey, before we leave you guys, it is the Christmas season. This is the last episode of Casual Swinger for 2021. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, we're going to take a little break here just to relax, spend time with family. I'm going to diddle this sweet girl. I think we did that for the first three weeks of December. It wasn't really a break. It was crazy. I got a promotion. Like Things have been fucking crazy. They have. But we're going to leave you guys with a Christmas wish. And, and I'll let Mallory kind of jump in with me on this one. But our Christmas wish for you is that each and every one of you has a Christmas and a new year that can't help but be the best you've ever had. That your hearts, your minds, and of course your nether regions are blissfully filled with the best of times and the sexiest of friends. That the knowledge you've gained from your own past and present equipped you for both a new and exciting future together as lovers, lifestylers, and friends. Hooray for the sex! <laughs> and yet another accent has yes! joined us on Christmas. I don't even know what I'm doing. I You've gotten me white girl wasted over here. So. I apparently did with only yeah. two glasses. Just of call whiskey. me Slop Tart. I love my little Slop Tart. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, Mallory. Merry Christmas, Mickey. And Merry Christmas to all of you, each and every one. And have a horny good night. Mm. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Y'all been listening to Casual Swinger. Oh, by the way, hang out real quick. We got a little something extra. the night before Christmas and all through the house. Everyone was feeling a little horny. Yeah, even the mouse. Mallory in her thong and I in my chaps, I'd just settled down for a nice piece of ass. When out on the lawn I heard a great clatter, I sprung from my piece to see t'was the matter. Away to the window I flew in a dash, I tripped on the dog and busted my ass. But what to my drunken eyes should appear? A shitty old sled and eight mangy reindeer. A fat little driver half out of the sled, a sock on his tool and a bra on his head. Poor old Tubby was high as a kite. Nothing he said sounded quite right. Whoa, shithead, whoa, asshole, hey, stupid and butts. Slow the fuck down or I'll cut off your nuts. Watch out for that lamppost. Don't hit that tree. Quit shaking the sled. I gotta go pee. They just cleared the lamppost and the tree got a rub. Somewhere thereafter, he puked on my shrubs. He stretched and he farted for his first trick. I knew right away, that must be Saint Nick. Down the chimney he came like a bat out of hell. I knew right away, the fat fucker fell. He was chubby and drunken, standing a chore. He looked like a bum, but he smelled like a whore. He stumbled to the kitchen and poured himself a drink. 
and whipped out his tool and pissed in my sink. Back by the tree, he reached in his sack, and instead of kids' toys, some new things were packed. A cock ring, a G-string, and six types of oil. A dildo so long it laid in a coil. He stuffed my stocking with bourbon and beer, and a bright red butt plug that said, Santa was here. A box of unique condoms was Santa's next find, and six pairs of panties, the edible kind. Under the tree went a pair of fake tits, and a strap-on complete with a penis that spits. His bag was left empty as he took his leave, with one last dong tucked up under his sleeve. He sprang for his sleigh, but his legs were like lead. He fell on his ass and broke wind again instead. As he finally got seated, he said with a sneer, Get me home, goddammit, I'm ready for a beer. Santa took off with a thunderous heave. He yelled, piss on you all. These casual toys are for me. That's just a little something for you guys from us at Casual Swinger. Merry Christmas to each and every one of you from our house to yours. May Santa leave you something fantastic under your tree.